the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. As we head into Hour 3, we do so delightfully as we do every Thursday with Sam Stone. He has his own radio show here, heard every Saturday afternoon at 3 p.m. 3 p.m. indeed, Breaking Battlegrounds. Uh, You can hear it here on the Patriot. And, you know, if you're you're so inclined, you can download also our podcast. Make sure you get every single episode. Uh, It is the top-rated show at its time slot, so you're, you're getting good content. And uh, uh, surprise, potentially, but I, I think we may have uh, the previous Secretary of Defense on next week. Oh, fantastic. So, oh, great. We, I mean, we're getting some really cool guests that's, for that show. That's fantastic. Yeah. It is a great show. And if you want to download it, you can go to 960thepatriot.com to do that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Sam is also a candidate for city council here in District 6. Samstone.vote is the, the website. We're going to cover a little bit of local, and we're going to emanate outward and get to some national and some international news with Sam. Because there's nothing going on today, yeah, Sam. Right. I mean, absolutely <laughs> yeah, no news right. to be had. There is a ton, and we're going to do it with Sam, whose mind is wide, broad, and deep. Sam, uh, first on the, local, um, on the local stuff, how's your race going? How's the city council race going? Uh, it's great. I actually have a bit of news that I think will probably shock you and your listeners, Seth. Um, but uh, the first person I've gotten to endorse me after the primary, if you want to call it jungle, you know, jungle primary mess that we had in November, uh, is actually the person who finished in a dead heat for third place in that race and a Democrat. Oh, wow. Great. Joan, Joan Green, Wonderful. Uh, who finished a, about a 1% behind me in that wow. race. That was your toughest uh, battle right there. Yeah, her yeah. and Moses Sanchez each finished about 500 votes behind me. They're basically tied. Um, and so uh, she she has agreed to come on board and support my campaign and Fantastic. is going to take an active role on it. Fantastic. And uh, you know what? I didn't. I, I sat down with her and had breakfast. And, you know, first thing she said was, I disagree with you on most everything. But you got some good ideas. I like it. And you have integrity. We're going to say some nice words about another Democrat in a few minutes uh, as yeah, well. And I, and I will say, I, I do want to say, from my time on the campaign trail, I really, really got to like um, both Joan and a guy named Mark Mormons, who was on that campaign, who was also more more left of center. Uh-huh. Um, but both of them, I thought, were, were in it for good reasons. They were honest. You know, they, they were honest about their beliefs and the things they wanted to do and had some good ideas. Mark uh, really actually has a ton of very good ideas. He works for the Arizona uh, Corporation Authority. Okay. And, and uh, so he's heavily involved in economic development. And he's a smart guy. So, um, you know, I think that you're not going to hear many Republicans bragging that their first endorsement was a Democrat, but I have no shame. Yeah. Well, lest anyone get uh, get the wrong idea, you have endorsements uh, from uh, from not only Democrats, but some substantial conservatives. We, we've as well. got Sal you know, I've got Kerry Lake uh, as endorsement. I've got Sal DeCicio's yeah. endorsement. And, yeah. you know, I mean, already uniting the city. Yeah. And, you know what? And, and and these local races, as I've said on this campaign trail over and over again, 
it's really less about ideology than it is about functionality, mm-hmm. right? Yep. I mean, people, you want the garbage picked up on time. You want your street repaired properly. You want your water to flow and, and be clean. Um, you know, that's the city government. Well, I, there are a few ideological things, though. We can get into those. We need and more we police. Will be we here. want them yeah. paid better. We need uh, less homeless, and we're yes. going to talk about all that. Samstone.vote is his website if you want to learn more about Sam. Or help him out. Yeah, you know, I was. Let's let's work backwards into the homeless thing, the chronic homeless problem, if we might, Sam. I was, um, uh, as speaking of Democrats, uh, we might say a good word about. I was talking about on the show yesterday. You know, the Katie Hobbs uh, governorship. It's going to be a rough four years. Uh, it's going to be going to be ugly. I mean, look, she's already proving what I sent out in a tweet before the end of the, but right after the election, which is every word she said on that campaign trail was a lie. Mm-hmm. And every single word, it's it's not going to stop. And she's going to disprove everything she campaigned on. Well, the other thing, too, is that she's taking every opportunity to continue to put her thumb in the eye of Republicans and conservatives. I don't understand why even before inauguration she sees this as necessary. It's not it doesn't you bode know, well. it's it's not necessary and it this doesn't bode well. Look, I mean, the best thing if you're in Arizona right now, be very thankful that we have a Republican controlled yeah. legislature. The House and the Senate have I mean, even though they're razor thin majorities, we have them. They're going to be able to stop her. But watch out. I mean, you know, Pima County started talking uh, yesterday, the day before about going back to mass mandates. Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw the powers, the breadth of powers that Governor Ducey was able to claim mm-hmm. under that mm-hmm. aegis. And I would watch out because I can guarantee you that Katie Hobbs, who will not get much done legislatively. Right. Um, will be a, extending the power of that governor's office as far as she can via executive agency. Yeah, I'm I'm very worried about it. And also we can see a few other things that aren't going to bode well. I was talking about her um, her homeless her homelessness uh, plan. plan is a joke. Yeah, Hobbs's plan, I'm reading from AZ Central, Arizona Republic. Hobbs's plan uh, announced again last week. I mean, she's- and, and of course, AZ Central does like a 2,000 word uh, a booty kiss yes. of, a, of an article yes. for it. Ridiculous. Yes. Uh, to, to, to quote some of that kiss, Hobbs's plan proposes encouraging local zoning changes, providing legal aid to families facing eviction and investing in the Housing Trust Fund, which funds affordable housing development and assistance programs, among other strategies. I will sum that up. What you see in the zone on Ninth Avenue is going to stay exactly the same. That's it. That's that's what's the, the, no planned. for what all of all of her plan amounts to is we're going to keep doing the same thing, and I'm going to I'm going to ask for two hundred million dollars more for the Housing Trust. Right now, here's the thing, Seth. Let's do the numbers together. You, me, all the listeners out there, if you're listening right now, $200 million divided by, and this is a low figure, 300,000. What does that leave you? 600. 600 units of housing is what that $200 million at its current cost will buy you Mm -hmm. if the government builds that housing. Mm -hmm. Their cost is ridiculous. It should be half of that number, but but that's what it is. It's actually over, Phoenix is now over $350,000 per unit when it's building affordable housing. Some of the other valley cities are a little bit lower. You could average it about 300. But so what she just announced is absolutely nothing other than a grandstand with $200 million of your money. Yep. And it's I don't know if you uh, if you're a fan of or if you ever listen to the Adam Carolla podcast, Uh, he he was replaying an interview he did with Gavin Newsom from about 10 years ago. 
uh, where Gavin Newsom was bragging about his passion, which was the homeless issue. And he kept missing the boat every single time um, Adam Carolla was asking him about, you know, what what his view of the homeless problem is. He was talking about, you know, the woman who was fired and lost her rent. That is not the problem we're talking about. No, that is no. absolutely not the problem. You go down to Ninth and Jefferson. That is not the problem. No, we are and, talking and you about. and I have talked before about the need. Look, we do need some funds from the government. To help people, for instance, if if all someone needs is a little assistance with their deposit to get off the street, if someone needs, you know, they had an accident and they need something, some help covering their rent for a month or two, well, we need those things. We need to do those things to keep people off the street. Mm-hmm. That's needed. Yeah. The rest, but but this plan is that's well, it's not a plan. It's just a continuation of a failed program. That's right. And what you will hear from people who support this and probably from her is the word compassion. Um, I will give credit to someone on Adam's show. It wasn't Adam who said it, but it was one of Adam's people who said, you know, you look at what the real housing, um, the real homeless crisis is. When you look at the real chronic homeless crisis and you use the word compassion as just throwing more money at this problem and not doing anything with these uh, folks that might be against the will – you know, there's a lot of people who have compassion for animals and pets. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't let their dogs live this way. No. This is not compassion. No. No, it's it's the furthest thing from compassion. I mean, the compassionate approach is tough love. And you you and I have talked about this here on the air before, and, and we've been part of groups that are working to try to address this problem. And I am very excited. Uh, Catherine Miranda, yeah. uh, you know, Let's get de- into that. Democrat mm-hmm. uh, state senator came out with a plan that largely mirrors the plan Carrie Lake and I put together. It largely mirrors what you and I have talked about. I mean, so you hear you have two Democrats in this state. And unfortunately, the one who has serious ideas is not the governor. Right. Um, you know, but but hopefully Catherine Miranda can can get Hobbs under her wing a little bit and push her in this direction. I don't know. But I do know there's a lot of interest in the legislature on the Republican side on coming on board. Well, so. you and I and our group that does has been working on uh, on the homeless, uh, the chronic homeless issue. You and I can go and meet with Catherine and we will uh, maybe hopefully get a bill that she can write that the Republican, the entire Republican caucus can get behind, but it can be a Democrat written bill. Let's get that to Katie Hobbs and see her. I, I just want to do the right thing. Yeah. And Catherine's plan is yep. the right thing. Yep. So I will tell you folks right now, and I'll, you know, I'll put this out there on the air. It, when that bill comes up, I will go down to the legislature and I will go sit with every Republican member of the House and Senate and make sure that they understand the importance of voting for it. I'll walk, Assuming I'll walk we right in there with you, Sam. Yeah. Uh, people can access it, by the way, at azcentral.com. It was based on an op-ed she wrote about a Saturday ago, I think, yeah. a Saturday or two ago, Catherine Miranda. Um, he is Sam Stone. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Boy, did you see what Boston is trying to do for the homeless? We'll tell you about that when we come back. You know Boston. I'm Seth. He's Sam. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Sam Stone, candidate for city council in District 6, is my guest. He is many things. That is one of the things he is working on right now. I had mentioned Boston um, going out in the break because they were in the news today. Before I get into it, do you want to say something about your hometown? Well, I, I think you're getting into real dangerous yeah. territory yeah. here for our for our local population, Seth. Yeah. I got to tell you, because you bring up Boston. Yeah. And uh, let's see, something might have happened last night involving a Boston sports team and the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. 
Yeah, some they, might have. Yeah, the Celtics wrecked the Suns yeah. last night. I yeah. mean, they wrecked them. And I, okay, yeah, folks, I'm sorry. I'm a little gleeful. It's the only time I've rooted against the Suns because I'm from Boston. I'm not giving it up. It's a religion. <laughs> I am. A I worshiper. know the religion. I grew up here in Phoenix. Uh, I remember, but that you know, it was more fun. Phoenix and the Cel- against the Celtics back in those days with Larry Bird, and I, it was a, it was. And oh, that you know, the, su- the look, the Suns, fun the Suns the, have a really good team. But actually, as I tweeted last night, yeah. um, so watching that game, one thing that was really interesting is Peyton Pritchard, who is the the Celtics' fourth uh, guard in their rotation, actually fifth now. Um, fifth guard in their rotation and didn't even get in the game through three quarters last night for the Celts, right? That guy would be the best player on the Suns bench right now. Yeah. I mean, right. and they really got hijacked this offseason chasing uh, Kevin Durant. Okay, this will not be the end of our sports discussion this hour or basketball. Stay tuned on that. We will talk about basketball and sports more in a few moments. But let me stay on Boston for a second because their commissioner of public health and mayor has an idea for dealing with the drug-addled homeless, um, and uh, it was written up in the Boston Herald. They want to um, they want to give them uh, crack pipes. They want to give them crack pipes to get them off injecting get them off syringes. This right. is their idea. We are now going to give them crack pipes. To which. I think we are living in a mad and an insane world when that is the idea. They, people, people end up with syringe use, IV use, because they started with inhaling. They started with inhaling, and to be honest, I mean, look, anyone who knows a, a drug addict, they're going to use the, the drugs in a way that gives them the most kick, the most high for their buck. Yeah, by the time that's I right, mean, by the time they're injecting, they don't have much interest in inhaling. No, that's a really good point. No, their 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 health consideration at that point is right. it's not there. I mean, that's this is so this is just silly. But this is part of the the program that Democrats and and the industry on the left have put together, which they call harm reduction, mm-hmm. which is a really misleading term because they're not reducing harm. Reducing harm is getting people help. That's right. That's how you that's how you reduce harm. But what they mean is we're just going to make it easier and easier and easier to live a drug addled lifestyle on the streets. That's their version with a gloss and a tip of the hat to some kind of help that won't truly exist. Think of it this way. If you want to if you want to reduce the harm of cigarette smoking, do what we did with cigarette smoking. Uh, Put up warnings all over the place, tell people they are not free and welcome to smoke within hundreds of feet of anyone else and shame them a little bit. Well, so I'm glad you and you reduce it. You don't put filters on the ends of those cigarettes and say, we'll give you harm reduction. I'm actually glad you brought up the smoking thing, because right now you have two parallels, right? Right. right. Um, So there's plenty of evidence that vaping is far less harmful than smoking cigarettes. There's significant evidence about that. But the government is currently engaged in a war on vape, right. uh, on vape products, mm-hmm. um, you know, theoretically because they target children, That's although right. that was kind of a fad that came and went a few right. years ago. As always, the government's kind of behind the times on stuff. But they're, <clears throat> you know, talking about ending Juul as a company right. and, I mean, doing all this stuff and banning it and this and that and the other. And then uh, they're taking on the drug side yeah. and they're saying, hey, uh, this is what we want you to do. Yeah. It's yeah. this slightly less damaging version yeah. of it. We'll hand you syringes. Yeah. We'll hand you crack pipes. Wait, wait. And we will hand you oh, also tourniquets in case you don't listen to right. us. They're handing out tourniquets as well, just in case you don't get the message to go back to the crack yeah, pipe. And Narcan and everything else. I mean, or yeah. I guess if you fall on the crack pipe, you might really need that tourniquet. You know, that Narcan thing is interesting. Part of that story was um, 
should Narcan be available in schools? To which the answer is yes, but put it, please put it in the nurse's office. Let's, let's not give the message to children if you do A, we will solve B. Let's not give the message to children or anyone that if you want to walk into um, a, a, a viper pit, we're going to give you some anti-venin to go with it. Yeah. How about let's kill the snakes no, look, or no, don't go Nar- into that Narcan pit? Narcan is keeping a lot of people alive right now who would be dead otherwise. That's, that's right. And – that, you know, look, I, you're, I'm never going to argue that that's a bad thing, right? No. We need that. We need to, to – but you But we have sent not. the message that if you continue to use, we will continue to give Narcan. And the problem is the Narcan becomes less and less effective as you routinely and continually use. Sam Quinones was saying in an interview this morning um, that, you know, this continual use and continual revivement by, by Narcan is having an effect on people's brains because every time they go through this, they are losing oxygen to the brain. It is a dangerous cycle. It's a terrible cycle. Yeah. And, and yeah. you see the cycle degrade people on the street, and that's where you have a lot of drug-induced psychosis that yeah. comes in. And, you know, look, at the end of the day, I, I understand the people in this industry view themselves through a lens of compassion like you know you were talking about um but they've been captive they've been captured by their own system absolutely and you know i i understand no one wants to point at themselves and go man i screwed this up and this has failed and it's not working but at some point real human decency requires that to happen that's exactly right that's exactly right the message of how about stop and don't start is yeah. a little bit better and has proven to work every time it's tried by the way ask mothers against drop driving ask the smoking industry ask smoky the bear i mean it you, works you don't every make it time easier it's and reduce right. drug use exactly right nicely put all right i don't want to leave the basketball world just yet because it has some international re- relations uh, aspects to it with the uh, with the release of britney griner i imagine you have a thought or two on that well i have a i have a bunch of thoughts on that first off look i mean nobody would argue that nine months or whatever but you know in a russian penal colony is an appropriate charge for marijuana but she broke the law and she admitted it um you have a, a former u.s special forces operator whelan i forget the first name mm-hmm. who's been held by the russians who you know has never admitted to a crime and and was not freed um and then to trade for Victor Boot, look, I think she should have been traded out of there. I think we should have found a way, frankly, a long time ago to get Brittany Griner out of there because she has been a political prisoner of the Ukraine war. Mm-hmm. But here's the next question I got to ask, Seth. Victor Boot yeah. spent years running around the world dealing arms all over the globe. Very famous from the Nick Cage movie. I just blanked on it. Um, uh, what is it? Merchant of Death or That's something right. like that. Yeah. That's his nickname. Um was he in U.S. jail for committing a crime, or was he in there for the crime of competing with the U.S. Uh, military-industrial complex for sales? Thank you. Lord of War, I think, was Lord the of movie. War. That yeah. was the movie. Yeah. No, look, this guy was running around, and we were supporting him, and, ha- and he was helping U.S. military and, and uh, clandestine agencies arm people all over the globe. And then he apparently crossed us. But, I mean, this is the kind of thing that is – it's like, you know – Maybe the U.S. government just shouldn't be running around the planet inserting itself in everyone else's violent conflict. Yeah. Or you end up dealing with a lot of guys like Victor Boot. Yeah, that's right. Uh, do you think uh, Do you think uh, Brittany Griner will now uh, stand up for the, uh, ple- the Pledge of Allegiance in the National Anthem? No, and it's pathetic. Yeah. I mean, what she's just learned or she should have learned is that the U.S. still is the greatest country on earth. Yeah. 
and you you know all these other governments that people like to point to don't hold a candle to us but she's i i highly doubt she's going to get that message if i had to bet Seth, she's going to come back ticked that it took so long well, you know i may have a, an alternate point of view on that let me let me uh let me raise it with you on the other side of this break i'm sam i'm sam St- <laughs> seth leaveson and he is sam stone that alliteration will kill you every time i'm seth leaveson he's sam we'll be right back Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. He is Sam Stone. He is candidate for city council. Samstone.vote uh, is his uh, website. If you want to help him out, and I would encourage you to do so, please. Um, Sam, it's interesting whether Brittany Grenier will come back with with a renewed um, patriotic fervor or not. It wouldn't be a very big step if she wanted any sense of fervor because she was trying to lead the WNBA and certainly the Phoenix team in not standing for the uh, for the national anthem and refusing to as a matter of protest against the United States. And maybe, as you say, maybe she will now come back with a possibly different view of the United States, realizing that there are worse places and that we still are the last stand on earth or the last best hope, depending on whether you want to quote Reagan or Lincoln. But, you know, I have a I have I have a different reason that I think she will stand for the uh, for the for the national anthem. And it's not it's not that she had to spend some time in a, <clears throat> in a Russian prison. I think it's because it's a different president. I think it's because um, I, I think you're going to see a point. lot of this. I think I think with a Democratic president, these people do tie patriotism to their politics. They patriotism do. used to be apolitical. I remember the time when Democrats used to say, we don't like it when you guys question our patriotism until they went on this tear that every Republican is a fascist and white supremacist or a Nazi sympathizer, to quote I, Katie Hobbs. For I, think you, I think that's a great point, Seth. I mean, absolutely, I think that's a great point because they do view the land, the, this country through the lens of who the president that's is right. specifically. That's right. I mean, one of the things I think that drove the hatred of Donald Trump on the left was something that my brother and a lot of, of – left-leaning folks told me over the years prior to Trump's election, which is, oh, you guys might win the Senate, you might win the House, you know, but that doesn't matter. You'll never win the presidency again. They were absolutely certain of that point. I mean, without any question at all in their mind, there would never be another Republican president in the United States. That was their viewpoint. Yeah. And then Trump comes along, and not only is he a Republican, and not only does he win the White House, but he's Donald Trump, yeah. and he picks all the scabs off of all their wounds every day. That's right. And just drove them absolutely bat crazy. I have to say, though, too, in discussing Democrats and patriotism, um, they have a really weird view of it. If I hear one more time, and I think we're going to hear it again, if you look at the direction Los Angeles is going in or the direction New York is going in or what you speculated the direction Katie Hobbs might go in. If I hear one more time our current president saying that your patriotic duty is to wear a mask or your patriotic duty, this is their idea of patriotism. They have so corrupted the notion of what it means to be, um, you know, someone who loves their own country that that they, they have rendered it meaningless in a sense. Well, I think if you look back... At, at, at least ridiculous. Where, where all this comes from always on the left is sort of the darkest corners of academia. Yeah. It, it emerges from the, the dank recesses of academia and then it makes its way into the public consciousness via the Democratic Party and their candidates. And um, I, I think you can look at it. I think they made a conscious decision within that realm that patriotism, normal, everyone agrees on it, country over party patriotism 
was a barrier to leftism mm-hmm. because leftism's reach is very limited when you're running into a country full of people who actually believe in their country and in each other. I, right. Leftism is the is today modern leftism is the ideology of individual um, narcissism, oh. right? And and that's a hard thing to sell if people believe in a foundation of patriotic uh, patriotic love for their country. Yeah, I was talking a little bit about this yesterday on Pearl Harbor Day, quoting Franklin Roosevelt's Day of Infamy speech, which actually would the anniversary of which would have been actually today, December 8th, the day after Pearl Harbor. And you read that and he talks about our righteous cause. Uh, That's how Democrats talked about this country once upon a time. We've gone from that to the interesting 1619 project. You know, there's a lot to that project. Uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones, who started, you know, she grew up um, in a family, in a household where her dad and granddad were army veterans, and her dad flew an American flag outside their house every day and took care of it and went by the rules. And then she tells in, in an essay of her, she says, until one day I came home and told him what I learned in school, which is that this country is not his country and that he should take the flag down. And I think the whole world of leftism is explained in that story. This man black man who served in the army and had patriotic fervor and thought, flew the flag, had to be instructed. You know, by the way, more racist America than today had to be instructed by his daughter who was instructed in school that he was doing the wrong thing and had no business flying that flag. This is it's the academy, but it's also sadly elementary and secondary. And it, it requires replacing reality with ideology. Absolutely right. Sam Stone is our guest. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Sam Stone is our guest. SamStone.vote is his website. He's running for city council, but there's nothing he uh, isn't willing to talk about uh, with candor, intelligence, and goodwill. Uh, Okay, so let's talk, too, about another election, uh, Sam. I have been toying with this idea. Well, let me connect it, actually. Let me connect it to what you were just saying about the university and the idea of the left. Um, we convinced ourselves for many years that this social, socialist ideology and philosophies in the universities weren't going to have real world, world effects. You know, kids would graduate, they'd become 23, 24, 25, start paying taxes and moderate their views a little bit. And we were wrong. I believe we were very, very wrong. I believe the ivory tower had a lab leak that was um, much more infectious and dangerous uh, than the Wuhan lab leak or whatever came out of Wuhan because it's a great it's, analogy. It's attacked Seth. our brains. It's a great and not analogy. And, and it happened in a couple of levels. Yeah. So first what happened was most of the kids who went to college, whether in my era in the you know late eighties, early nineties or or up until about two thousand, um, really up until Obama's reelect run, um, all those things that we're seeing today CRT, right. the 1619 Project, the, the hatred of America, the, the socialist Marxist bent, all of this stuff was there. That's right. But most college kids did not actually get exposed to it. They might end up with one course, you know, in their required yeah. curriculum where they had a nutball professor. Right. I had a couple of them. You know, we all had that. But it wasn't fed to us every day. Right. They got and the, it didn't suffuse the entirety of the faculty. No. And right. and that's where so they they very deliberately. I don't I don't know how well this was done deliberately or how, you know, if it was sort of organic and they just figured it out. But what they realized was a couple of things. One, they they really infiltrated H.R. Mm-hmm. and the kids who were going to H.R. 
So then that infiltrated all the academies, all the government institutions, all the corporate institutions. That became a really barrier position because that's a very dangerous position in most in most companies um, and in most institutions. So so that was one. But two, they then started filtering this into the curriculum of all the things that didn't relate to it. That's right. That's right. And they embedded it in the textbooks. They embedded it in the learning. They built these lessons into things that have absolutely nothing to do with uh, our history or race. I mean, you don't you don't they need... are presently ruining the medical field. with this. Yeah, they're ruining the medical field. Um, they I mean, frankly, I think they've ruined it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I... yeah. Yeah. The, the gerund might not. be yeah. Appropriate. Um, yeah. You know, they, they've done this with a huge number of areas. And so but now it's pervasive. And now the fight is everywhere. Right. And Republicans didn't see it coming. Right. And I really blame Obama. I believe his 2012 reelect. Um, he was looking bad. You know, Romney early on, especially was looking very good. Um, and Obama, you know, with Obamacare, very unpopular at that time, I think made a very conscious decision to drive a racial wedge into America to drive black and brown turnout um, for his, you know, coalition of non-white people to essentially win the thing and really took these academic theorists from the darkest corners of academia where they should never. I mean, I'd argue they shouldn't have been left allowed there to fester there in the first place. But, you know, they should never have seen the light of day. And so, they dragged them out. Uh, well put. And so this has been brewing for some time, which leads me to the thesis I have and frightens me. And I want to run it by you. I, we've probably talked a little bit about it before because it's all I think about these days. When you look at what happened in Georgia, um, are, is it another sign that this country just might not be as center right as we think it is? Or is something else going on here? I will also point out the statistic that I am still confused about, which is that 200,000 fewer voters uh, voted for Herschel Walker last Tuesday than did a month ago. Uh, no, I disagree. I think this country is still absolutely center right. But it's you know it's hard to hold that position given all the attacks that you're under in the media and the culture and all that sort of thing. But it is center right. Look beyond the Walker-Warnock matchup in Georgia, and Republicans swept the state. I mean, swept the state, yeah. right? No, no runoffs. Um, Kemp won by a huge margin. And the 200,000 fewer votes, I think, is attributable primarily to Herschel Walker. And I know I already got in trouble with one of your listeners, Seth, when I when I, I said Arizona was not a Trump state, meaning that it's not Alabama or Oklahoma where 60 percent of plus people are voting for Trump. I, I agree with um, you, though. I don't think it is. It's a not. State. It, it's yeah. not. And it's not in that sense. Yeah. Right. You have plenty of people who like Trump here, but it's yeah. not a it's not a dead red Trump type state. Right. It's much more nuanced. Um, Georgia is more nuanced also. It's not, you know, again, that's not what I would call a dead red Trump state. Um, And look, Walker, who was the Trump aligned candidate, the only one on that, you know, statewide ticket is the one who had to go to a runoff and they got 200,000 fewer votes. Those 200,000 people were just checking the R box when they showed up for somebody else. Okay, so maybe they were showing up for Brian Kemp. Yeah, they were showing up for Brian Kemp. They were showing up for the other races and then they checked the R box. But Walker wasn't enough to energize them to come out. And and don't I'm not going to 
in any way, shape, or form put this all on Trump because Walker, too, had a lot of flaws. The stuff with his son coming out against him, I think, really hurt the family stuff. I mean, you know, I, 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 oh boy, I'm Seth, I'm going to get myself in trouble here. Okay. But uh, I've always had a saying. Join the club. (laughs) I've always had a saying in politics, Seth. You can bang the Bible or you can bang your staff, Mm -hmm. but you can't bang both. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't his staff. Yeah. But Walker broke that axiom anyway. Yeah. Right. So you can go around. You can be Donald Trump. We were uh, we were supposed to be the better party on that, frankly. Well, look, you you can I I don't even think it's about being the better party, but you just have to not be a hypocrite on it. So Donald Trump, I don't think anyone other than the left took offense at the Access Hollywood tape or any of that stuff. It's like, oh, Donald Trump's a player. He slept with half the models and Playboy bunnies. Yeah. Right. Please. Yeah. We've known that for 40 years. That was so interesting when that tape came out because I had some friends who were supporting him in D.C. who said, well, we just lost the women. But I said, not so fast. No. Because I talked to a lot of suburban women after that, and they said, well, yeah, I wished he didn't, but we came to terms with him on this a long time ago, months well, ago. Also, Seth, one of the most terrifying experiences of any grown man's life is sitting in a circle of women gossiping because you're going to hear so much worse than Donald Trump has ever said in his life. And now you are you not going to want to get in trouble. But now you want to really no. get in trouble. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay. Now you got to get out of the room. Yeah. Like that's the point when you need to know. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. Because this is not for male ears. Yeah. There 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 was an there was a maturity uh to his base with that tape which understood that some things are a little bit more important. Yeah. Some things are a little yeah, bit Yeah, absolutely. More you know, and again, I think people who paid attention it was misrepresented some, so. But I do I do worry still about the thesis because I, I think we have because a big, Georgia was a different state as Arizona was. A I think we state. got a big problem with anyone who's managed to stay in school through college. Okay, all right. Would you answer this when we come back? We only have a short segment. When we come back. I'd love it. Let's tease it. If you had a seventeen-year-old uh, son or daughter, would you send them to college? Hold the thought. Hold the answer. I'm Seth. He's Sam. We'll be right back. Sam Stone is our guest. He's going to have a final thought with us in just a moment. But let me put in a good word for our friends at Y-Refi who help make these conversations possible. If you are concerned about stock market volatility, Y-Refi has an investment opportunity for you in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return not correlated to the stock market. It's a portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like. No surprises. Your interest is compounded daily. You're paid monthly. There are no fees and... No loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. It's a secure collateralized portfolio that delivers an up to 10.25% rate of return. That's right, up to 10.25% return. A due diligence approved firm. You can check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y.com. Or give them a call at 888-YREFI-34, 888-YREFI-34. Sam Stone has been our guest this hour. We were just talking about influence of the university and college system and the influence on society. And I, I help as a volunteer. I, I just tend to help every every year a bunch of students who are leaving high school to go to college. I help them with their application essays. I used to be a college admissions counselor many, many years ago, Sam. But it begs a question that I'm always – I'm not going to ask them when they're at that point. But if you did have a 17-year-old uh, son or daughter right now, would you send them to college? Only if they were uh, going to study STEM. 
Otherwise, it's not a good investment. Otherwise, invest your money in YRefi. InvestYRefi. dot com. You're going to get a much better rate of return. Um, Look, very simply, there's no substitute for the technological high-level technological experience, learning experience you can get there. Especially at a serious school. Yeah. I mean, like you know, Harvey look, the, it, you know, you're not going to become an engineer at your local public library. Right. Um, and you're not going to become an engineer by taking, uh, you know, community college courses or whatever. But now, if they were not heading down that track, I would not want them to go to college. And I would highly encourage them, if they were, if they were insistent on that, I would be high. I would a highly encourage them to switch to a more technical field. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if they're not full STEM, mm-hmm. switch to something with a, a dedicated career path coming out of it, yeah. because those programs tend to stay more on track. They have to, yep. right? Um, but two, I would t- tell you go two years at your local community college and transfer your credits first. Mm-hmm. Do not bother spending your money for four years. Yeah, yeah, that's a great piece of advice, and you know it. It's it's also going to be true that aside from the return on the investment, it's uh, the return on the values you were taught by your parents that are going to get changed as well. And, and if I'm a parent, I'm having regular conversations yep. with my kid, and and I I want to make sure they're comfortable having those with me Good. and and telling me what they're they're being taught Good. because look, a lot of what they're going to be taught in, in any kind of sociology, you know, in any sort of the liberal arts end of it, is going to be wackadoodle. Yep. Yeah, they can go and major in English and never study Shakespeare too. So I right. think it's important that the conversation. Well, you know that racist old well, white guy. Well, well, who that cares is, but about that, his writing? But you know what that means? That means it's incumbent on adults to bone up on the stuff again too, because they're going to have to supplement their college students' education. You do with education. Yeah, you, yeah. you have to. You have to balance it. You have to counter it. Sam Stone, thank you, sir. Again, folks, samstone.vote is his website. Sam Stone. Dot vote. He is a candidate for city council. He is a great candidate. He will be a great city councilman. Help him out. Until tomorrow, I am Seth Leibson. God bless you all. Class dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.